Now, the fear of public speaking is at the root, it is the fear of disapproval. So what I encourage people to do is find tiny actions that they can do in their everyday life that are just a little bit scary to them just because they expose them to a small amount of the fear of disapproval. And then gradually you increase the size of those actions that you take. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Olivia Mitchell. This conversation is all about getting comfortable and confident and being at ease speaking in front of a group of people, which is such an important thing for so many of us in our careers. But one thing that I will say is the really cool thing about this episode and something that surprised me and that I kind of realized as I was listening back is Olivia shares a ton of insight on personal development and self-compassion and how to get better at things in baby steps that I actually think applies even beyond the world of public speaking. A lot of the ideas and methods that she shared, I think, can help with almost any area in your career or in your life where you're feeling stuck or where the thing feels really, really hard. So it's worth a listen, even if public speaking isn't on your mind right now. But if it is, then I made this episode for you. And I made it with a really specific goal in mind because... I'll be honest with you, speaking in front of groups was a major source of anxiety for me in my career, and it was something that I really had struggles with. And there's quite a lot of advice out there and a lot of trainings and a lot of courses on how to speak in front of groups, and they focus on things like, you know, how to sound powerful in your voice and how your body should be in front of people kind of, you know, being stable or using your hands for dramatic effect and things like that. But I had a lot of fear and anxiety and shyness around getting up in front of a group and speaking. And at times it was debilitating. I was really, really, really afraid to get up in front of people. And hand gestures <laughs> were not really an adequate solution for me. I was like, hey, I'm about to have a panic attack. Like, this is a great course, but what about for the people who feel like they're going to die? What are we supposed to do? Like, I don't think the hand gestures are going to fix that for me. So, you know, if you have a hard time speaking in front of groups, if it makes you feel scared or anxious or shaky, I've been where you are. It's still kind of hard for me sometimes. You know, I would definitely rather be at a happy hour drinking a margarita. But one thing that I can tell you, which I wouldn't have believed if I told this to myself many moons ago, is that this problem, while it feels horrible, horrible, I know, I know, trust me, I know, 
and it feels really unfixable, it is fixable. And I've seen change in myself, but I'm just a data point of one. That's why we need Olivia, because Olivia's job is to do this. She works with women who are very, very afraid to speak in front of groups of people. And she has these incredible methods that she's developed to help women with this. And she's so knowledgeable. She's so compassionate. And the methods that she shared and the things that she talked about, I had never heard before. And I found them to be enormously helpful. So I hope you do, too. And I hope that she convinces you more than I can that if this is something that is hard for you, that makes you feel not good, that you're self-conscious about, that you wish just wasn't the case, you can get better and you can improve. And I hope it gives you some reassurance to know that you are not hearing this from someone who doesn't know what it's like to be bad at this. I know what it's like to be bad at it. Olivia knows what it's like to be bad at it. So I think you're going to like this one. Enjoy. Well, welcome, Olivia. Thank you so much for joining. I wanted to start by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you. So I call myself the accidental speaker. I grew up really shy. I didn't like speaking. In fact, I much preferred talking to my horses and dogs rather than people. And when I was in my mid-twenties, I was working as a lawyer in a government department and I realised this was going to hold me back because I didn't like speaking up in meetings, let alone doing presentations. So I joined Toastmasters and Toastmasters was a really useful place to be, (laughs) not just for the speaking, because actually the bit that I hated most about Toastmasters was not the speaking, it was the tea break in the middle of a meeting because that meant I had to make small talk and small talk was really what I hated the most. So being in Toastmasters really helped me get used to doing small talk and to be up in front of a group. The other thing that happened in Toastmasters, it's where I met my husband. His name is Tony. Now Tony is an extrovert so he is the opposite to me in terms of I see myself as an introvert. And Tony started up a speaking business and he started up a training business, training people to be effective presenters. Eventually, the business did well enough that I could stop work. And then I decided, oh, I might go to a few of the training courses that he does and just sit in the back and help. And so I did that for a while. And two things happened. One, I started getting a bit bored because I'd seen it many, many times before. And then I started to go, hey, I could do this. And so I started taking over small parts of the course. And I was good at it, to my surprise. And also what was really important is that the people on our courses could really relate to me. Because I was an introvert. I had suffered from the fear of public speaking. So I could relate to them. They could relate to me. So I was a presentation trainer for 15 years. So I was up in front of groups on a continuous basis for a long time. And then just in the last year or so, I've transitioned away from that business. And now I run an online business where I'm helping people all over the world get over their their fear of public speaking. Our stories have a lot of parallels because one of the reasons that I started this show is because I wanted women to see a role model 
who did not have it all together and who went through a lot of really, really difficult stuff. And I think that is very important for people. It's it's great to see successful, inspirational people, but I think not everybody starts there. We're not all so lucky. So I really love your yes. story. It's um, I and I think it's such a typical story. I, hardly anybody comes out of the womb fully formed and being able to speak in front of a group. We get that impression when we see people up there and we think, wow, they're so confident, they're so good. But hardly anybody starts off that way. And I think that's just a really useful thing to get when you see someone up there, know that they have worked at it and know that they have got over their own fears. A hundred percent. We assume that we're the only one that's uncomfortable and that everybody else is totally fine and everyone's in their own heads not noticing or caring what anyone else is doing. That's the ironic part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what's really important to know, and I think this is something which is so important and can be such a breakthrough for people is to know that the all those thoughts those voices going on in your head and all those feelings that you're having um, so you might have butterflies in your tummy you might be a bit shaky all of that stuff most of the audience does not notice and that's because they're in your head and they're feelings in your body they're not actually visual and so just reminding yourself that people don't notice So it's really, really helpful for people to know that this is a very common problem and that they're not the only one. It's challenging for a bunch of people. It's challenging for me as well. How do you then get them to the point where they believe that they can improve? Because it's not the most fun thing to learn how to get better at. Yes. So I think the way to find out that you can improve is to read the stories of people who have really struggled with this and seen that somebody else has done it. An example of that is Shonda Rhimes. So she is the writer of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and many other great shows like that. And she's written a book called The Year of Yes. And in that book, she describes how deathly afraid she was of public speaking. Like her her happy place was being in her office, being able to write her shows, interacting with people and being out in front of people is not what she liked to do at all. And she just liked yeah, just being by herself in her own little world. And one year, as a result of her sister really prodding her and challenging her, she decided to put herself out there. But it, it required a huge leap for her to do that and really to get herself comfortable with being uncomfortable and now you can see her on on video you can see her do presentations I think a a great one is she did the commencement speech at Dartmouth University and you know she she is quite honest and um, vulnerable about how scary she's finding it but you see that she is doing it Mm mm-hmm so to me, if you're, if you're wondering, is this something that you can do, is read the stories of people who have overcome it. It is possible to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And it might not happen quickly. It might happen in baby steps. And actually, I want to ask about your method and kind of how you approach it. Yeah. So my method to overcoming the fear of public speaking and becoming more confident overall 
is to approach it like you're going to run a marathon. So imagine you decide, right, I'm going to, mar- going to run a marathon and you register for a marathon, which is six months from now. You know you need to give yourself a big lead time. And then you plan out a whole training program for running that marathon. So you need to do the same thing with the fear of public speaking. Now, one of the challenges with overcoming the fear of public speaking is that when you start off, you are totally frightened of doing anything which requires you to speak in front of a group. It just feels like too big of a leap. And it's the equivalent as if you're running, you're going to run a marathon is of telling yourself, oh, I'm going to do a three mile run. Now, if you are unfit and you haven't been training, doing a three mile run is too hard. And it's the same with speaking in front of a group. It just seems too hard, too too much of a leap. The solution to this is to find much smaller actions that you can do. Now, the fear of public speaking is at the root, it is the fear of disapproval. It's the fear that people are not going to approve of you and of what you say. And we can do all sorts of little actions in our daily life which expose us to the fear of disapproval. So what I encourage people to do is find tiny actions that they can do in their everyday life that are just a little bit scary to them just because they expose them to a small amount of the fear of disapproval. And then gradually you increase the size of those actions that you take. So I can give you some examples. An an example of an action that some that I get my people to take is when you are in a store or a shop like a supermarket and you're at the checkout operator, pay a compliment to the checkout operator. So you might say something like, I love the care that you're taking in packing my groceries. So you just pay a little compliment. And what most of the people that I work with find is, uh, now, this uh, the idea of doing this to begin with is scary to them. They are definitely, if they're in the queue, their heart is beating and they've got butterflies in their tummy. It certainly activates that fear of disapproval. They're worried, oh, will I take up their time? Uh, Will they even respond to me? Uh, Will people in the queue behind me be annoyed that I'm taking up time? So they'll have all sorts of thoughts going on in their head and feelings in their body. But then they do it, and most of the time, the checkout operator is delighted. They're getting some positive comments. They're being appreciated. They're being acknowledged. And so it builds your confidence. I can speak and it works okay. And I didn't get knocked down. I didn't die. Absolutely. This thing that you invented in your head, which is that for some reason you should stay quiet and you shouldn't say anything, you realize that that wasn't true because you do it and everything's fine. Yes. And it's it's a small victory too. I'm sure every time someone is able to do that, they get a kind of feeling of, oh, okay, I did it. Good. Now I can do another one and another one. And it kind of gets you in more of an optimistic state. That's why I like the small steps approach so much. Yes. Yeah. And I've I've developed something called scary action bingo. Ooh. So this is a one page with 
28 different actions that you can take. And they're all little things, but some are slightly more scary than others. And I've graded them according to how scary most people find them. And what you do is you put this up on your wall and every day you look for some of these actions that you can take. And so when you've done one, you can tick it off and go, yes, I've done that. So the idea is to tick off all of the boxes on the scary action bingo. So I can make that available to your group. That would be so fun. And I think that would be so much fun to do as a group because it's almost like a silly inside joke where everyone can support each other because we know that we're all going to be doing these weird things and no one else knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And what happens is because most of the time when the opportunity to do something scary comes up, our automatic reaction is to avoid it. You know, so let's say you need to communicate with someone and you think, oh, I could text them or I could email them or I could phone them. And when you think of phoning them, you go, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's a little bit scary. And so you resort to text or email instead. Now, instead, when you're playing scary action bingo, you go, oh, actually, this is an opportunity for me to tick te- to some- something off the scary action bingo. And it's like, yay! (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And also it can help you realize that the world is maybe not as serious as it looks because I know when I'm stressed, everything becomes very morbid. And then you do these things and you realize it's not all that serious and it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Are there any other challenges that you common challenges that you see people run into as you're working with them through this process of building their confidence? I think there are two things that happen. We have voices in our head. Yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. So there are two voices I found that have the most negative impact on people. And I like to give these voices names so that we can identify, yep, I've got that voice going on. So the first voice that we have, I call the demander. The demander says things like, everyone must approve of you. You must be fluent and articulate whenever you speak. You must come across as credible and authoritative. So it has these demands of you. And you'll notice the word must in there. You must be a certain way. Other words that the demander uses is have to or should. It has rules and standards for how you must be. And it puts so much pressure on us because often those demands are really difficult to meet. So the demander is one of the challenges that we have in our heads. And what I suggest that people do is once they've identified that they've got a demand going on in their head is to downgrade it to what I call the goal setter. So the goal setter, instead of having a demand for you, it has a goal. So let's say that your demand is, I must be fluent and articulate whenever I speak. You'd change that to a goal of, my goal is to be fluent and articulate. It's a subtle change in language and it makes a big difference. Then the second voice that we have going on I call the catastrophizer. 
Oh yes. Because <laughs> it goes, if you make a mistake or if you if you don't meet your demander, the catastrophizer goes, oh no, this is a catastrophe. This is terrible. You've ruined things. I relate to this voice a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and really the catastrophizer as well. I mean, it just makes us feel awful. Mm -hmm. God forbid you actually make a mistake. Yeah. It goes to yeah. town. So I I welcome mistakes. What I try and do is model that it is okay to make the odd mistake. The odd um or ah, uh, the odd you have to start your sentence over again, the odd stumble, not being able to think of a word. All of those things are not a disaster. They are not a catastrophe. The voice that I suggest you replace the catastrophizer with is called the manager. Now, I don't mean manager in the way that your boss might be a manager. I'm using manager in the sense that a paramedic is a manager. So a paramedic is called to the scene of an accident and they don't panic and go, oh my, this is a catastrophe. They look at what's happening. They assess who needs to be treated first and then they calmly get on with providing the first aid. So that is the voice you want in your head when things appear to be going wrong and appear to be going pear-shaped. You need that manager voice, which is essentially saying, I can handle this. Yeah, and that's so helpful, not just for speaking. I feel like that is helpful in so many situations. Absolutely, yeah. And it does sometimes require some forward planning. So say with speaking, let's say you're concerned about having a mind blank, which is a concern of a lot of people. What if I forget what I want to say? So I suggest if that's one of your concerns, have some plan Bs. Know what you're going to do if you have a mind blank and actually practice in your rehearsals, practice recovering from a mind blank. So some things that you might put in place are having some notes on, say, on note cards that you can refer to. You might even have, as well as the note cards, you might even have an A4 script, a script written out on A4. So if the note cards don't work, you've got that A4 script. So that you know, if I have a mind blank, I can refer to my note cards and find my place. And if I'm just so frazzled that I can't even find my place on my note cards, I can go to the script. And sure, I mean, that doesn't look the best to be reading from a script, but it's better than walking off the stage. And it feels good to know you have a plan in place. Exactly. And in fact, of course, once you have a plan in place, you're much less likely to have a mind blank. Yeah, because you're. it's also kind of an act of taking care of yourself in a way. You're kind of making sure that you're going to be okay. And you're kind of showing yourself like, hey, I've got this. I'm going to make sure you have yes. all the things. Plan A, plan B, plan C. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. One thing I want to get your take on, this is something that's a challenge for me. My body, when I'm in front of a big group of people, it thinks that they're going to eat me. <laughs> like, yes. And how, I mean, it's just something that happens, but how can people who have a hard time feeling physically calm, do you have any techniques mm. to help out with that? Yeah. When you go in front of a group, your body goes onto high alert. So this is an evolutionary mechanism. 
when we were evolving on the planet, let's say 400,000 years ago, our way of staying safe was to be part of a group, to fit in, to be approved of, because that was the way that we stayed safe from the predators that were out, that were out to get us. The predators, they had four legs so they could run really fast. They had big teeth, big claws. Whereas us as humans, we were pretty pathetic. So being part of the group was totally essential to our survival. And the worst thing that could happen to us back then was being thrown out of the group because, yes, indeed, we might get eaten and die. So now, fast forward 400,000 years, you go in front of a group and our brain is screaming at us, you must be approved of or you might die. <laughs> so it is a totally normal thing. And that is why public speaking is number one on the list of the things that we fear the most. It's because- I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, when you ask people, what are they most afraid of? Across cultures, public speaking is number one or very near the top of the list. So here's one way we can look at it. The, those of us who get that the worst, we are the most resilient gene-wise in terms of survival because we know how to get yeah. into the pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only people who don't suffer any public speaking at all, they are the freaks. <laughs> I think Such that's freak. really useful to remember. They are the freaks. We are normal. Mm-hmm. Now, coming back to your original question, which is how can I calm down? How can I calm my body down? The answer to that is don't try. Because it is simply, it is an area where your body is on high alert and it's going to be very difficult to change that. What you do instead is you reframe the feelings that you're having. So what would be what would be some of the feelings that you would have, Jess? I'm going to forget everything and I'm going to sound really stupid. Excellent. And how does that manifest in your body? What are the things that you're feeling? Heart is beating really quickly. I'm feeling like a little bit shaky and like almost like a little bit out of body kind of. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And those are really normal symptoms to have. Now, those, I'm going to call them physiological symptoms because they're feelings that you have in your body. And those feelings are actually very similar to the feelings that you would have when you're excited about something. Let's say that you were about to go on a big overseas trip that you have been planning for months, maybe even years. This is your dream trip come true and you're getting onto the airplane you would probably have your heart beating fast and feel a little bit shaky because this is the culmination of years of planning and your dream coming to fruition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what you do, instead of going to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, you tell yourself, I'm excited. There's actually scientific research to back up this approach. So a psychological researcher called Alison Woodbrooks got groups of people. She divided them into two groups and one group was told, so and they were given three tasks, three different tasks. Um, one group were asked to sing karaoke. One lot had to do a public speech. 
and another one had to do a maths test and and then within these groups then they were then divided again and one lot were told repeat to yourself i'm excited i'm excited whereas the other group didn't weren't told to do anything the groups who were told to repeat to themselves i'm excited i'm excited before having to do their task whether it was the singing or the speech or the maths test all did much better hmm. for the public speakers they were judged as being 17% more persuasive than the group who didn't repeat them to themselves i'm excited wow so it's as simple as that just telling yourself yes. this is this is energy that's there because something cool is about to happen yeah yeah another one i like cuz your brain might go this is not cool this is not cool and i always try and find things to say that the brain can believe so one that i like for myself and many of the people that i work with have found useful is to say i'm playing big of course i'm excited i'm putting myself out there i am building my career or this is going to help me grow my business are these things all true yeah so i always try and find something that the brain can believe so that they they are true yeah or this is yeah i'm taking a risk i'm doing something brave i'm pushing myself because i care and i want to improve and you know show myself that i can do these things exactly i to totally got it those are wonderful okay so we're going to go into the listener question so i'll read it to you and then i will let you speak directly to the listener to try to help them out okay so here's the question the listener asks, um, I have a really hard time and I truly dread giving presentations to groups. But to be honest, my challenges go deeper than that. That almost feels too big to tackle. I'm extremely quiet in meetings and I tend to avoid communication and eye contact as much as possible. I'm one of the youngest people and one of relatively few females at my company, which can make things even harder. I, of course, would love to become a confident public speaker, but I feel like there is so much other stuff to work on first. I don't know where to start, but any guidance you can give would be appreciated. Sincerely, Stuck in Shyness. To Stuck in Shyness, first I would say you are not alone. There are many other people who suffer in this way and who feel like that there is no way out. So first of all, I want to say to you that there is a way out and many other people have gone through this journey. So this is something that you can solve that many other people have solved before you. And the first thing to do is to realize that you can start really small challenge yourself in very, very tiny steps. So I would start by making yourself a list of tiny actions that you can do on a day-to-day -day basis, which will just nudge you out of your comfort zone. So an action that you could take to begin with is just say hello to a colleague when you meet them in a hallway. It could be as tiny as that. Just take a tiny action. Once you've done that, the next step could be 
you're in a lift with a colleague and you start a conversation with them. So very, very tiny actions and just one little step at a time. So I like the idea of, from a visual point of view, think of your comfort zone and how you're in your comfort zone at the moment. And you're just going to give yourself tiny nudges outside of your comfort zone. It's like you're just putting your toe in the water. And you can just imagine like your toe sticking out of your comfort zone into what I call the courage zone. So the courage zone is outside of your comfort zone. And just keep doing that every day. Challenge yourself to take a tiny, scary action. Every day, do something that scares you. Once you do that every day, you'll find that the things that used to scare you, say like saying hello to a colleague in the hallway, scare you less. And you'll realize, oh, I can actually do that quite easily now. Once you get to that point, you can start challenging yourself a bit more. And so the next step might be to think about in a meeting, how could I say something? And what I would suggest is when you decide, right, I'm going to speak up in a meeting, choose your meeting and ask for the agenda ahead of time. If you don't normally get it, ask for the agenda ahead of time and look for the agenda item that you can speak on. Prepare what you want to say. Prepare ahead of time. And then also go to the facilitator of the meeting or the chair of the meeting and say, I would like to speak on this item. If there's somebody that you trust, you could also let them know that this is something that you find quite scary and you're looking for their help. But you don't have to say that. You could simply say, I would like to speak on this item. And it means that they will look out for you when you get to that item. So you're going into the meeting prepared. You know what item you want to speak on. When the time comes, use the five second rule. The five second rule comes from Mel Robbins, who is a speaker and coach. And the five second rule is when you decide there's a scary action that you want to take and your mind is trying to talk you out of it, because as soon as you go, oh, I can speak now. Your brain goes, oh, no, 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 don't do it. Oh, no, no, you're not prepared. Oh, you're going to sound a fool. Uh, this is just, this was a silly idea. I should never have decided to do this. As soon as your brain starts doing that, you count down five, four, three, two, one, and speak. Don't let your brain talk you out of it. Just open your mouth. You prepared what you wanted to say. Say it. But see that as your ultimate goal. You, if you are starting off where you are now, where you're really shy and you hardly say hello to anyone at work, then imagine that you're going to speak in a meeting in three months' time. And in the three months up to that, you're going to be doing an action that scares you every day. So I hope that is helpful for you, Stuck in Shyness. That was so helpful. I really appreciate that answer. And one thing that you said about taking really, really little steps is it really stuck with me and it's really important. And I want to just take this opportunity to tell people that you shouldn't get down on yourself if you're feeling like, I can't believe that this is my goal. 
I cannot believe mm-hmm. my goal is to do this thing that everyone else can just do. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I would have gotten stuck in, feeling like I should be at 100% and I'm starting at 1%, but it doesn't really matter. And I'm sure that you see in the work that you do, the, the Shonda Rhimes example, and there are probably so many, there are probably many very prominent figures out there who have gone yeah. through a similar process in their life. Absolutely. Uh, J.K. Rowling is another example. Fantastic writer, but the speaking part of being a celebrity, she just hated to begin with. Yeah. And it's something that people who might appear to have it all together and be very accomplished they may have gone through this too. You you just didn't see it. You're just assuming. So, And there are many. Uh, another example is Barbara Streisand. For many years, she didn't perform because of stage fright. It's a big issue for many performers. Many actors hate public speaking as themselves. They can do it as someone else when they're a character. They can do a public speech as part of what their character does. But when they have to be themselves, say like at an awards ceremony, that is excruciating for them. So it's not just you and the small steps are not too small. That's, you know, there's so many people who are in that place. Yeah. Wonderful. So before I get to the closing questions, I just wanted to ask you to share where listeners can find you and get in touch with you if they want to connect or learn more about your work. Yes. So my website is speakingaboutpresenting.com. And people can also find me on Facebook. So my business page is Olivia Stella Mitchell. So that's probably the easiest place to connect with me. And People can also join my Facebook group, which is called The Courage Zone. So you can look up The Courage Zone. And in The Courage Zone Facebook group, I post every day about myself taking an action that scares me. So I do this practice daily. I take an action that scares me. And then I do a Facebook Live and a written post every day on doing something that scares me. And I do that for two reasons. I do it to keep myself accountable because when I've made a commitment to do something, it's like, okay, I need to do this every day. And I also do that in the hope that it will inspire others because I just see this as such a powerful daily practice if every day we do something that scares us. And for me as well, sometimes they're really tiny. The last one I did yesterday was reaching out to someone to reschedule a meeting. Yeah, I'd I'd scheduled a meeting with them. And afterwards, I realized that is really not so convenient for me. And going back to them to say, I'd like to change it, that brought up for me, it brought up two beliefs from my childhood of, I must not inconvenience people. And I shouldn't do things just to make it easy for me. And I must stick to my commitments. So I had those two messages going on. So it was actually scary for me to write an email to say, I want to reschedule our meeting. So I post every day on just the little scary thing that I did. I love that you're still doing it. It's probably fun sometimes to try to come up with something. 
Yeah. So or sometimes in the morning it's like, oh, I wonder what it will be today. <laughs> so funny. I'm I'm getting inspired by this. I'm really excited by this idea. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so couple questions before we close. So the first of the last couple of questions is this podcast very appropriate very appropriately is called The Art of Speaking Up. I know we've talked a lot about public speaking and presenting, but I would love to get your thoughts just on speaking up in general and why you think it's important for people to do and and anything you would want to share with young women on the topic of speaking up. I think speaking up is incredibly important for two reasons. It's important both in our careers and it's also a po- also important in our relationships. So in our careers, speaking up is absolutely essential to be seen as someone who has something to offer. And here is something which I've, I, some research, which I find quite scary in and of itself. So let me explain this research. It is research where students were formed into groups and they were given a maths problem to solve. Now, a maths problem is objective. You know, there there is a right and a wrong answer. There's no room for subjectivity. So they were given this problem to solve together. And they took about an hour to do this. Afterwards, the students were asked, who did you see as the leaders in your group? The people who they saw as leaders in their group were not the people who helped solve the problem. They were the people who spoke up the most. Even if they said the wrong thing. (laughs) Even if they took the group down dead ends which didn't help solve the problem now for me this this research makes me shudder yeah it so goes against the grain of saying the right thing of being accurate of being truthful of being helpful and i'm not suggesting that as a result of this research you should just go off and spout your mouth out and not care about whether what you're saying is true or useful But I think it's for those of us who get really hung up on, I must always get it right. I must always say exactly the right thing. I think it can help us just relax a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. Takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I also have this experience. I've told you already that my husband is the extrovert. And early on in our relationship, I would have the experience of me and him me and Tony would be talking about something, say a political issue. And I would tell him about my opinions on this political issue. And then later, we would be out with friends and the same political issue would come up. And I would hold back because I wasn't that sure about my opinion. Or maybe I'd quoted something which I wasn't that sure about. And so I would hold back. And then Tony would come in and basically say what I had said to him that morning. And everybody would think he was brilliant. Obviously, this pissed me off a great deal. But really, I only had myself to blame. It's such a that's such a common occurrence in the workplace. It happens a lot. And it can be 
very frustrating. I think I really like what you said about taking the pressure off because in the end of the day, we're not going to say things that are totally off base, but just having that room that it doesn't need to come off like so perfect and like this perfect thing, just, you know, just speak. And if it's like 80% there, that is way good enough. (laughs) Absolutely. It is way good enough. Yeah. I think this is such an important message. This is so important. Yeah. If the people who are taking everyone down the wrong path on solving the math problems were not called out, then a statement that is slightly imperfect or tripping over a word or whatever it is, it's it's not going to matter. Yeah. (laughs) And the last question before we wrap up is just a chance for you to share any words of encouragement or inspiration with the listeners because this show is really all about making women feel good. And if there's someone out there who's maybe going through something difficult or just trying to figure things out in her career, I want to give you the floor to share something encouraging, whether it's about speaking or anything else that's on your mind. Hmm. So I've got a quote, which is maybe not exactly in line with what you've just asked me for, but relates to what we were saying before about you don't have to get it right. Now, this is a quote that I don't believe in, but it used to run my life. So here is the quote. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. And when I came across this when I was in my 20s, I just took it on board. This is the truth. And in later years, I've realized this is a terrible quote. This is a terrible thing to believe in because it shuts us up. And it has us not speaking until we feel 100% sure of what we're saying. So my encouragement to people and to women in particular is speak even when you are not sure. Speak before you are ready. Prepare yourself as much as possible, but then go for it. Open your mouth and speak. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thank that, you. That was, I don't think you could have ended things any better than that. And that was my conversation with Olivia. As you could probably tell, I had a lot of fun talking with her. And it was very motivating and inspirational. It kind of made me want to push myself even more and become even more confident in my own skin. And I hope it made you feel that way too. Scary Action Bingo sounds very appealing to me. I really like doing things like that. I think I think there are such good opportunities to just like get unstuck and out of your head and to to show yourself, I think, the extent of your own power. So if you are interested in Scary Action Bingo, let me know. 
I can find a way to get us going on it. We can do it together and hold each other accountable. The contact information for the show's Instagram handle and my email is in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to me if you want to do some scary action bingo together. This show and this episode especially was made with a lot of love. This is something that I've created truly because I want to reach people and make them feel good and doing that makes me happy. The only thing is I create this show and it goes out into the other and I don't always know that it's doing that or if it's doing that. I mean, I know it is, but I can't always see that. So if you're feeling touched by me or helped by me, then you can make me feel the same way from you just by writing a review for the show or or reaching out to me and letting me know what you think. I can't describe to you, I cannot describe to you how good it makes me feel when I hear that the show has helped someone positively. And it helps me make the show better because I hear what specific thing was helpful and then I take that and I start thinking about ways to dial it up. So let me know. I'm so curious to hear your feedback. So feel free to rate the show and review the show and send me a note. And most of all, have a really, really good day and maybe do something scary today in honor of the incredible Olivia Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. If you want to advance in your career, you have to be able to speak up with confidence and advocate for what it is you need. There's a word for this skill. It's called assertiveness, and many women find it very difficult to do. Luckily, it is totally possible to build confidence in your voice, and I wrote an ebook specifically to help you do that. It's called The Smart, Ambitious Woman's Guide to Assertiveness in the Workplace, and it will guide you through a series of simple steps that will help you speak up and be more assertive in a way that feels authentic to who you really are. To get your free copy, go to www.assertivenessebook.com or go to the free resources section at the bottom of the show notes where you will find the link. Remember, your voice is your key to success at work and you are empowered to decide how you want to use it.